I'm Georgie. And I'm Michaela. And we're here to tell you about the University of Aberdeen. In each episode, we will discuss frequently asked questions about topics such as applications, go abroad, student life, sports and societies, budgeting for uni, and life in Aberdeen. We will be speaking to current Aberdeen students, those who really know what it's like to study and live here. And we'll be getting exclusive tips from members of our amazing staff. Join us for this episode of Ask Aberdeen. So welcome to today's episode of Ask Aberdeen. Um, today we're going to be talking about medicine, um, applications and also studying at the University of Aberdeen. So we're very lucky to be joined by two guests today. We've got Sarah um, from our admissions team for medicine and we've got one of our students as well, Jaffe, who is going to give you her experiences. Um, so Sarah, do you want to just briefly introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah, hello, my name's Sarah Miller. I am the admissions manager for medicine. So I look after all the applications that, that come in and deal with them right through from when you inquire until you get started in medicine. Lovely, thanks. And Jeffy? And I'm Jeffy. I'm a fourth year medical student. Um, I'm from Malaysia, but I've been in the UK for the last six years or so. And yeah. Brilliant, thank you. So hopefully our listeners today will get a good feel for what it's like to study medicine at Aberdeen. Maybe they're already thinking about it or they're thinking of coming um, across to Scotland to study medicine. We have quite a lot of international listeners to this podcast, so um, they may have some interest in our medicine course as well. Um, so we're going to start with like what, what is medicine at Aberdeen like? So um, Sarah, do you want to tell us a bit about the facilities that we have at Aberdeen um, for our medicine students? Yeah, sure. So our medical school is located on the Forrester Hill campus and the Forrester Hill campus is where the main hospital for the northeast of Scotland is located. So we're right on the doorstep of the hospital um, as well as um, a, a general hospital, um, Aberdeen Royal Infirmary. We have a children's hospital, so a paediatric hospital. We've got a maternity hospital. Um, we're getting some new purpose-built cancer facilities and family hospitals. Um, they're, they're being built just now. And what else do we have on site? Uh, we, we have other university buildings as well. So as well as the medical school, we have our research colleagues. Um, they're, they're just in the building next door. So the Institute of Medical Sciences and the Rowe Institute as well. So we're one of the biggest health campuses in Europe. And everything that you need is is right on the doorstep. So when it comes to doing your clinical placements, you really don't have far to walk at all. Nice. And Jaffe, what's it like for a student in terms of like um, social spaces? Is there places to meet your friends on campus? Yeah, so our campus is separate from the King's campus, but within Forest Hill campus, I suppose um, we do have, you know, um, in the Sati Centre, which is the teaching building, we have the first floor where you have, you know, a kind of, a, we call it the breakout area um, where students usually go there for lunch, chats, um, sit there waiting for our exam sometimes. Um, and I mean, we hang out anywhere and everywhere um, in the library, which is not great, but you know what I mean? Like we make every space our own um, almost. Um, and, you know, ne- in the hospital, which is next to the, building we also have you know cafes like the orange cafe and um yeah and there's a really nice like breakout uh, kind of social space at the top there where you know and the chips are cheap 
so nice. <laughs> <laughs> there is there is an outdoor garden as well, so when it's it's nice, um, everyone tends to congregate congregate outside, and we have um social spaces in some of our other buildings as well that not all the students are aware of, but in the Paulworth building, which is the building right next door to the Sutty Centre. Um, on the second floor there, there's a really nice breakout area as well. It's really quiet because nobody knows about it. Nice. <laughs> I suppose also medicine students, um, for our listeners who maybe don't know our campus, um, Sarah and Jaffe have said how they're on the Forest Hill campus, but we have our King's College campus, which is the kind of, I would say it's bigger necessarily, but it's where most students would be based, but medicine are up at Forest Hill. Um, but you can use both campuses. So people um, do students will come down for the sports facilities and things like that down on the King's campus and there's the massive library there as well the St Duncan Rice Library um, so you can meet your friends there there's a coffee shop um, Starbucks very popular <laughs> um, so there's lots of uh, facilities and things as well I suppose across the campuses but yeah for our listeners who don't know Aberdeen Forrester Hill is the main campus they would be on so um, Sarah you spoke about all the kind of clinical facilities do students get early access to that? When do they actually start using those facilities from when they begin their studies? Um, so for the first term of first year, you're you're based in the study centre, but the second term of first year is when you get your first clinical attachments. So you get sent over to the hospital um, and you work in small groups and you get to see real life um, patients. Maybe maybe Jaife could add her experiences of what that was like the first time you went to the hospital and, and you got to see someone. But um, so first clinical placements in first year, that increases in second year. You're out in the wards every week. And third year, third year is a bit of a shorter year, um, but you have placements twice a week. And then fourth and fifth year, you're in the hospital all the time. Nice. So lots of patient contact. Absolutely. That's good. Absolutely. And Jafé, how did you find that? Yeah, absolutely. I think, well, first of all, we weren't kind of just airlifted and dumped into the hospital without any warning. Um, so like Sarah said, we only started going to the hospital in second term. So and the first term we had sort of um, simulation uh, sessions, tutorials in the study center with patient partners. Um, so it's just to learn the, you know, the bare basics of taking a history and doing an examination. Um, and so we got quite a lot of prep work kind of um, to prepare us for going to the hospital. And then, so yeah, and then, but it was very exciting. I remember um, our first day in the hospital, it was quite daunting as well because, you know, it's very alien and we just, we felt like we were in everyone's way, but, you know, it was all, it's always really well organized and, you know, almost always um, you, you know where to go. I always get lost, uh, but that's just me. And you kind of go there and you have a one to two hour kind of slot every week, even in first year, to you, you get allocated a patient, usually with another medical student, um, unless you're on your own, in which case, you know what? Sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta shoulder it by yourself. And then you, you have that, like a, probably a half an hour to an hour to kind of talk to a patient. And if they are happy for you to kind of have a feel of them, examine them. And then in the next hour, regroup with all the other students to you know discuss your patient and what you think your diagnosis is though that is something they don't really expect you to come up with in first year um it's more towards like second and third year um but yeah i think that's and some and obvious and at the end of that session the tutor who is usually you know either an fy or a registrar or a consultant would kind of um give their own little tutorial almost of 
you know, just some common things to look out for. So it's it's very informative because I think it's that one it's it's a really good opportunity for students to apply and practice. And I think probably when I was in first year, I took it for granted, um, you know, this opportunity to because yeah. But I think now that I'm in fourth year, looking back, I I genuinely think that the you know it really did help me like prepare for clinical years because you know you're not just seeing a patient in that setting for the very first time not knowing what to do yeah it sounds sounds good to be able to apply your knowledge as you're learning it so it's not all kind of theory based it's quite practical if you can go into the hospitals right from the beginning so something else we'll obviously ask about is I mean it all sounds brilliant is people then go great I want to come to Aberdeen so what is it that we look for in applications um Sarah obviously you you look at all the applications um you're part of the team that organize all that um so what is the sort of three areas that we we look for when people are applying okay um so the first thing we're looking at is obviously your academic performance so your grades so um depending on what you're studying either your grades to date or what you're predicted to achieve um it's probably best we don't go into the grades because there's so many different different things but a levels they're they're very common so we're looking for three a's Um, chemistry is always a must for most medical schools they require chemistry um, one other science, so maths, biology, physics, um, and another subject. So that's in terms of A-levels. And of course, there's IBs and um, hires and whatnot. But if you go into the website, you'll find all the all the details of what you need to get or be predicted to get for us to consider your application. So that's the first thing we do. When we get all the applications in, in October, we go through them all. We're looking at the grades, making sure um, you either have them or you're predicted to have them. And then the next step, what we look at is UCAT. So that's every every stage is important, but UCAT's what helps you decide if you're going to come to interview or not. So it's you've either got the grades or you don't have the grades. So if you've got the grades, that's great. So we need something that it's going to draw a line in the sand, if you will, um, so we can decide who we're going to invite to interview. And unfortunately, that is the UCAT score. Um, so we get those scores in from the UCAT people in November. And what we do is we rank them and then we assign everyone a score. So we split them into deciles. So we split them into 10 and then we award everyone points. So the higher you score compared to everyone else who's applied that year will determine how many points you get. So it varies year on year. It depends on the number of applicants we get and and how well they've done in their in their UCAT that year. So we're not... We're not able to say that this is the score that will get you an interview or this is a cutoff because we don't do that. Everyone gets a point or points um, and we add them to your academic scores. So once we've done that two things um, whilst we're doing that we have a quick check of your personal statement make sure that a you've written one and b that there are no red flags or anything that we need to be aware of in your personal statement and then we add the two scores together so add your academic score add your UCAT score and then we rank all them again a lot of ranking goes on and that's how we decide we who we're going to invite to interview um we tend to do between 800 and 1000 interviews we did slightly less um this academic year or this admission cycle just passed sorry um purely because we had to do it all online this year and it was quite time consuming um we're hopeful that Going forward, we're going to be able to offer face-to-face and online um, interviews, but we're really hopeful that everyone will want to come and have a look around and 
um, see Aberdeen because if you're going to be going to university, you're going to be spending five years there at a medical school. So it's quite important that you make sure it's the right fit and the right feel for you. So this year it'll be um, face to face and online interviews for people who can't travel. Um, so as I said, we, we do up to a thousand of them. and They take uh, the format of a multiple mini interview. So that what that means is you have essentially seven little mini interviews and um, you, you, you go around in a little circuit, you're interviewed for seven minutes at each station. You'll be uh, confronted with probably two examiners this year um, and they'll ask you a set of, I think it'll be three questions. Um, you'll, have, you'll have seven minutes to answer them and then you, you move on to the next um, set of questions. So that's the three things we look at. Once we've done the interview, we add all your scores together, rank them, and then that's how we make our offers. Perfect, thank you. I think that helps people understand like what they need to focus on and where the points are and things. Um, Jafé, just how did you find it from your experience of applying to Aberdeen? Like, was it? People often say Aberdeen's really friendly and they enjoy the interview process. Like, hopefully, you felt that. <laughs> no, absolutely. I think. Um... I mean, I, I won't share like the other medical schools I applied to, but I remember uh, visiting Aberdeen for the very first time on my interview day. So I applied there because um, a senior medical student had recommended it to me. And, you know, I, I had faith in, in what he had to say. And so I applied there and got the interview and took the train from England all the way up to Scotland for the very first time. I remember when I arrived there, it was, in, it was evening, it was dark. Um, <laughs> I didn't know what to make of it. But then um, after my interview, I remember walking out and taking a picture of myself and just saying that was that was a that was a good interview. Um, I don't know how to explain it. I it was I just I just it felt like um, obviously um, it not all the stations went according to plan. I remember um, not being able to answer some quite tricky questions. Um, but, you know, walking out definitely felt really good. Um, and then, well, I. I can say this now since I'm already here, but uh, I felt good, but then I didn't get an offer the first round. <laughs> I was waitlisted, but then, you know, eventually come, I think, August time, I, it was Sarah actually who emailed me back and, you know, made me a renewed offer. It was a, it was a very dramatic end to this saga and, and now I'm here. So. Well, there you go. It doesn't always yeah. go to plan first time round. I think we're going to talk about that in a bit as well. What to do if you don't get in first time and kind of what else you can look at. Um, but yeah, I've helped with medicine interviews and we all, we all want you to do well. and We all want you to, to perform to your best. It's, it's fun for us if you do really well and give great answers. So I guess the key thing I would advise people is to prep. You, you need to practice interviews. If you've never had an interview before, you're going to struggle to answer questions because you just don't you don't know what to do. Um, so speak to your teachers and get your parents to test you on even just kind of basic questions um, just so that you've practiced giving a nice clear answer because that helps us to give the tick in the box if we've heard what you've had to say clearly and it made sense so that's really good. Oh, sorry George I was just going to say um, YouTube is a is a great resource there's so many like MMI prep and practice this stuff out there and um, take advantage of that. I definitely did that actually when I applied for my first job after uni I googled like competency-based interviews because I didn't even know what that was and yeah I use the YouTube video so <laughs> good tip. Something else people ask is work experience um, so for most degrees at Aberdeen we don't particularly look for a huge amount of work experience you know if you're applying for history or something but for medicine it is slightly different um, so Sarah what 
if work experience is required? So obviously things are a little bit difficult just now and getting work experience is, is going to be challenging. But essentially we're looking for you to make sure that you've researched the career and you know that it's what you want to do and that you're suited and um, fitted for that. Um, spending five years studying medicine is it's hard work. Um, and we don't want you to be doing that if you if you don't want to be studying medicine if you don't want to be a doctor at the end there's no there's no point in putting yourself through the um the stress of the courses so obviously um it's difficult just now but there are still ways that you can think about work experience and and, and gain some of that it might not be in a, a practical sense as in going into a hospital um but there are many online work experience um packages available just now um, some of the other medical schools in the UK have done that um, and I would recommend you go on to a website called the Medical Schools Council so they are a consortium of all the medical schools in the UK and they have just recently updated their website that was a couple of years ago and they've really made it a fantastic resource so they've got links to all those virtual work experiences on their websites and um, there's a there's a GP one um, there's a medical school in England who's done one. I think maybe Glasgow uh, University has done one as well. So we appreciate that it's going to be difficult to go out and get hands-on clinical experience, but you could be doing these um, packages. Um, and another experience you could be doing, you could maybe have a, a phone up your GP surgery, ask them if they have time at the end of the day just to have a chat with you about what a career in medicine's like. And um, that's an option attending open days and um, speaking to medical students there, there's lots of ways that you can find out that this is the career that, that you want to do in terms of, of medicine other things you could be doing is voluntary work as well so um, it, it's great saying that you work with people but do you like working with people who um, are, are perhaps have different demands that that um, able-bodied people might have for example so people with disabilities um, elderly people um, people with dementia they're they're all experiences that you could consider um, there's charities um, care homes um, all, all those things out there that, that potentially need a bit of help and it'll help benefit you as well and um, some charity work as well I think that's a lot easier to come by as well isn't it saying to a care home you know can I come in and support your residents for an hour a week or something that's more likely to get a yes than if you need if you want to go into a hospital which is probably trickier to organize what experience did you have Jafay that made you want to study medicine well when I was um 16 years old um I was still in secondary school then back in Malaysia and we had a work experience program where we were supposed to go out and find a a little summer job almost and kind of um yeah, and a lot of my friends, you know, decided to go for to work in a cinema or a restaurant. So it's quite varied. And I knew that I was quite interested in medicine, but I didn't I didn't go to I didn't go to somewhere necessarily medical related for that. I went I volunteered in a cancer um, non-governmental organization. And I was, so I was there for, uh, I think, almost a month. And. You know, I was just there um, to, I was there to kind of watch, well, now I'm actually trying to remember, <laughs> it's quite a number of years ago, but I was there as a kind of an intern, you know, sitting at a desk, helping out with admin work, but I also got to shadow the um, oncologists there um, who would go out and do, you know, cervical smear or breast screening, kind of like campaigns almost, and, you know, and I also, and 
in the NGO itself, there was also a children's home where they would provide sort of very highly like subsidized accommodation for children with leukemia or other, you know, cancers who were coming into the city to get treatment, but they had, you know, they could not afford anywhere to stay for overnight or for a couple of days. So they would kind of get to stay in this in this home for, you know, the duration of their treatment. And, you know, just sitting with the children and and just spending time with them, um, it made me realize that, you know, there is this feeling I get when, when I'm when I'm with patients or, you know, people who are just a bit vulnerable that I just feel very protective. You know, I feel I feel like I want to help them in any way possible, be it, you know, medically or even just, you know, holding their hand, listening to them. I, I derive a lot of I, I realized that that was a part of me that derived a lot of joy in that. And so that was when I realized, huh, okay, you know, could could potentially be something, something worth exploring. And that sounds like a really good experience to have had. Like, I, I mean, you could be my doctor. I trust you. you sound like you, you care about your patients. So <laughs> I think, but like what you've just said is exactly what we want to hear in interviews, isn't it? That's what we want to hear people tell us, like what experiences they've had and why they want to be a doctor. Um, I think something Sarah said about you want, you need to be want to be a doctor. We do sometimes have students whose parents want them to be a doctor and that's a very different scenario so it has to be what you really want yeah yeah and I know that work experience nowadays is 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 going to be a bit more challenging than before but I think you know always we don't have to we always try to look too far to find something that's oh you know an internship in a hospital something that looks good on paper actually I think you know just look locally see there's always something locally that that you could always kind of make the connection back to medicine because it ultimately is just boiling down to the very simple kind of em- human empathy and um and so i i think that as long you have the the you know the sincere intention like the, ex- the exam the, the interviewer will be able to see that that's it and um, you can have you can have 12 weeks work experience in a hospital but if you're not learning and taking anything from it is that more valuable than having a couple of days in a care home where you've really learned something about yourself and taken something that's going to make you better in the future so it's more about what you learn rather than quantity brilliant i think that's quite reassuring hopefully for our listeners if anyone's thinking that they don't have like a parent who can get them into it easily then that's okay like don't panic we would still want you to apply if you've got the other criteria there's something else people ask us as well or people it happens all the time in medicine it's a very competitive degree is what if I don't get in you know people throw themselves into it there's a lot of emotion involved and we 100% feel for people where the interview goes wrong or overall they don't get an offer to study at any medical school that they've applied to um what I mean I sometimes say to people look at doing a different undergraduate degree in a science-based course and then look at coming for you have to finish that degree and then applying as a graduate um what do you what do you recommend to people Sarah um so I I think you need to be um, aware that medicine is competitive and we only have a limited number of spaces and those spaces are governed by um, the Scottish government so they tell us how many places we have each year so unfortunately we have to say no to to quite a lot of people that we know would be uh, really really good medical students so um, if it doesn't work out you've you've got a couple of options you could take a year out and try again the year after and more often than not the people that we have to reject first off is because their UCAT score isn't isn't high enough so take take a year out 
go get some experience, perhaps get a job as a healthcare support worker or something related to medicine to increase your um, experiences, um, but also work on your UCAT score during that time. Or as you said, Georgie, um, go away, do a degree in a different subject. Um, we don't allow transfers into the course. Everyone has to um, finish what they're doing and then apply. Um, come in as a graduate, we get lots of graduate applicants. Um, sometimes a little bit of life experience is, is just what some people need and they they look back in hindsight and realise that perhaps they weren't quite ready for a medicine career just when they left school. So what I would say is if it doesn't work out first time, try again. Um, if it's your dream, you'll you'll get there. I've also interviewed quite a few of the graduates coming to apply after doing an undergraduate degree in a science and they often excel and they do really well in interviews because they are that bit older with that more experience and yeah like you say if they really want it then it is a long journey by the time you've done a, a four-year degree or you could do a three-year degree in England and then come up to apply again but it's worth it if that's what you really want it's worth putting the time in. Um, so the other thing we have in terms of entry is gateway to medicine. Um, so obviously this will only apply to our Scottish listeners um, and those who are eligible. Um, so Sarah, could you just briefly explain a little bit about what gateway to medicine is? Yeah, so gateway to medicine or G2M, we, we started that. This is our f- fourth intake this year. Um, it's a Scottish government backed project um, or course, and it's designed to support um, applicants who are from a widening access background, so perhaps haven't had um, the easiest of times um, on their educational journey up until this point. So we have quite a strict um, entry criteria um, and um, our entry requirements are, are reduced, but all that information can be found on our website. Um, and essentially the G2M course is it's a one-year course. It's a bit like a pre-med course or a foundation year course. It's just getting you prepared, um, giving you the knowledge the and some of the skills that you'll need to start medicine. So you do that one year before you, you start medicine. Brilliant, thank you. So yeah, anyone who's listening who thinks they may be eligible if you're widening access in Scotland, have a look on the website. And we have a whole access and articulation team who are dedicated to students like that. So if you need any support, they can help advise you as well. So the next thing we always get asked about is what type of teaching do you do? Um, medical students or prospective medical students are always really keen to find this out from us. Um, I think I know the answer, but Sarah, I'll let you answer that one. What type of teaching do we do at Aberdeen? Okay, so um, our curriculum, we use a systems-based approach for um, teaching. And Jaife can jump in and correct me if I'm wrong, because she's been through all, <laughs> all of it. So we split um, all the systems that you're going to learn into, into three. So you start your systems teaching in year one. Um, so what I mean by systems is we break everything down into different parts of the body. So year one is respiratory and cardiovascular systems. Year two is quite a big year. You do um, a whole load of systems that I'm not going to be able to remember off the top of my head. MSK, I know, is one of them. You go for it, Jeff. Go. Yeah, I know. I remember all too well because I lived through it. <laughs> um, yeah, so in the second year, what well, I think it's changed slightly now, but um, just because this year, but um, it's usually six systems. So um, gastrointestinal, uh, neuro, head and neck dermatology and another one that I can't remember but now instead of six we have I think now we also have MSK which is musculoskeletal and infections and ethics so I think that's around eight or nine now but what that means is because those um, three systems uh, MSK infection and ethics are traditionally in third year so what that means is you get a slightly less stressful third year 
and a slightly <laughs> more stressful second year. So it all balances yeah. out, I guess. So the, those last three systems that you spoke about were um, done at the end of second year. So after your exams, you would come back, do those three, then go on a great big summer holiday, and then you wouldn't be examined on, on them until the end of year three. So we've moved the point of exams. So you'll do those blocks and then you'll be examined on them. So that's an done it dusted um and so that they're the systems we do that in third year as well um and we used a we use a, a case-based approach to that so maybe jeff you could give an example of when you're doing a system what sort of things do you do um to do the learning so you'll have the clinical skills for it you'll have the anatomy for it and you get the lectures for it what sort of things do you learn at the lectures yeah so the lectures themselves are doctors and you know consultants uh etc from the hospital so they're t they come in you know and they're trying to they're trying to teach us everything essentially i don't know to put it quite simply they want us to know the epidemiology the pathophysiology the clinical presentation the investigations the, the treatment the prognosis everything but i was and it can be quite um overwhelming when especially in first year when you know when you when you come in and you know you have these you know very passionate you know and dedicated doctors who want to teach you everything they know which is impossible because um you can't possibly an be, be an expert in everything like as a student i meant um but eventually you'll realize that with the learning outcomes provided by the medical school we have this document and in it they have learning outcomes for every lecture actually it's very like well organized students uh, would be quite <laughs> relaxed to know that you're not expected to know everything and you eventually kind of get the hang of what you need to know to have a bit of a discerning mind almost and yeah and and yes they use a lot of cases whereby you know patient presents with you know symptom a b c and and you kind of have to think, oh, you know, I think it could be one of these and kind of take it from there. And do you use, um, you mentioned some of the simulation wards and anatomy labs and stuff. I think that's quite interesting to people listening because it's something kind of cool and interesting. Um, presumably you use those throughout your studies, do you, Jiffe, for looking at like practicing, treating patients and looking at things? Um, actually, now that I'm in my fourth year, we I've had the opportunity in Rakemore Hospital, which is in Inverness, um, which uh, to all our listeners is uh, the other teaching hospital, one of the teaching hospitals that you that students get allocated to in your fourth and fifth year. So at Rakemore Hospital, um, I've had a few, you know, the, the kind of getting involved in a few simulations, you know, with, you know, a kind of a patient, you know, full body patient that can oh my goodness, kind of breathe and, and make sounds. And that was horrifying when I first, when I first saw it. But, and, and they kind of set it up so it kind of simulates a real patient in the ward. And, you know, you go up to them and you start talking to them like a real patient and they'll actually talk back to you, obviously. Uh, as, as cool as that would be, they're not actually talking. It's actually someone else um, doing the talking through them. And... And you have to, and, and it's very real if you throw yourselves into it. So, yeah. That's really cool. That sounds fun. I think we use a lot of pictures in like promotional leaflets of things like the simulation woods. So if people have seen that, they'll understand what we're talking about. Um, 
So can I can I just go back? So I, I touched on it there. So when you're doing a system, um, you do actually learn the clinical skills for that as well. So when you were doing the respiratory system, you were learning to listen to people's lungs. You were learning about asthma and how to do peak flows and things. I'm guessing, yeah. And then when you were in anatomy, in that system, you were looking at the lungs and how they all work. Yes, what I like about our curriculum is that you they they kind of box it up quite neatly, but at the same time, it's not compartmentalized so that you only learn about anatomy in anatomy, or you only learn how to do an examination in the clin in the clinical side of things, and you know, and you only learn the theory in the in the lectures. They try to show you how you can apply each one, um, in each in each aspect, and it's very important because, you know, sooner or later you realize when you when especially now that I've gone to the wars. You need to know a bit of everything when you're seeing a patient uh, in surgery. You need to know a bit of anatomy to know, you know, what arteries kind of where underneath this muscle, for example. And, and so and I really like that. I like that um, we kind of have that opportunity to make that sort of that connection. Brilliant. That all sounds really good. And something else you asked about is how long is the degree? So typically it's five years um, for someone to complete our medicine course, but we do offer the intercalated year, which is quite popular as well. Um, so I don't know if, Jafay, do you want to mention what the medical humanities are and how that works during the intercalated year? So we have medical humanities both as a module that all students will get in third year anyway. It's a six-week module and I'll just touch on that briefly. It's an opportunity for students to study um, from a kind of a list of subjects. They can choose whichever they'll like. And it has to be, it has to amount to, I think, 30 credits. So so there are some um, choices. There are 15 credits. So you can actually choose two. Um, and then, yeah. So you, you can choose from a wide array of subjects like creative writing. I said that first because I chose that. And I think it's, I think it's amazing. <laughs> uh, or global health anatomy, creative arts, um, I think... Could you do law? Is that one of the options? Is it med is medical law a kind of option? It, it is within the... It is within the humanities degree, but not so much um, as a humanities course. A new one that we had last year, which is really popular, is music. Um, a lot of medical students are, are very talented musicians. Um, so, so that's a new one that we did last year. We have an Aberdeen Medics um, Music Society. And yeah, they, they do orchestras, which is fab. And yeah, so yeah, so the medical humanities is so you can study almost well quite a quite a wide array of subjects, and it's really fun. Um, I I think it was the highlight of my third year, especially because it was quite a a different year compared to what we thought it would be. And so that's the six week thing, which everyone gets, regardless of whether you intercalate. But if you do choose to intercalate between, so you can intercalate between third and fourth year or between fourth and fifth year. And my understanding is if you intercalate between third and fourth year, unless you have already done a previous degree, you would, you have to intercalate in a bachelor's. Uh, and that's where you can choose to do a bachelor's in medical humanities or medical sciences. Um, I'll let Sarah uh, share with you the, the list of subjects. It's quite a lot, but I think the website is quite clear on like what subjects you can study. And so between fourth and fifth year, you can do a master's even as an undergraduate, which is very attractive because um, it adds another feather to your cap 
you know, it's a great CV boost for the future as well, especially if you kind of know what you what you want to specialize in. So and the masters, you can do, you know, once again, quite a lot of subjects like public health and pharmacology. Sounds like there's loads. So people that do the integrated year, it's six years then, isn't it, when they've finished, but they've got a master's potentially and an undergraduate degree in medicine. So like you said, that's quite a lot to kind of finish with. It's quite impressive. <laughs> so it's either graduate with a, an MBCHB plus a BSc honours degree or a, a master's. So op- options for both. As if studying medicine wasn't hard enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, that kind of brings me on to the next bit is what support there is for students. Um, because obviously medicine is really intense and 100% everyone understands that. So I think my key message is to speak out and ask for help if you need it. And, you know, no one expects you. I, I can imagine, I haven't studied medicine myself, but I can imagine that everyone is they're very high achievers. They've got onto a medicine degree. It can feel a bit intimidating perhaps to, to say I'm struggling or I need a bit of help. So the message I think for me is that it's okay, like you're not alone and everyone will find that it's quite a big jump and that you're learning lots of new stuff. So it's absolutely fine to ask for help. Um, but Jafay, you've done the Students for Students and been a PAL mentor. Can you explain a bit about what that is and how it helps students? Yeah, so student S4S, um, short for Students for Students, is this peer kind of assisting scheme set up by the university where so students like myself who are already studying there can sign up to become a mentor so we get paired up with a kind of prospective or incoming fresher first year student and we you know we get their emails so we can contact them introduce ourselves arrange for a chat i think you know uh, before the pandemic you we would have kind of met them met you guys face to face and basically just just get to know each other and see you know and just kind of in, show you around Aberdeen perhaps and and we're there basically as your friend buddy almost if you need anything from you know anything really from where's the nearest Tesco or you know um, where can I buy XYZ it's everything but you know even during the pandemic we the scheme was still ongoing and it's just that we, we had we couldn't meet you know students face to face yeah and Sarah, is there sort of academic support if people are struggling or need a bit of help? Absolutely. So the university has lots of, um, well, has a dedicated student support team. Um, and of course, all our medical students are um, very much entitled to use that. But within the medical school, we have our own student support team. So um, a small dedicated team that are there specifically to, to help the medical students. Um, and you can have an appointment with them and they will... Um, chat you through and or advise you, signpost you to where the right place to go is. So we have that support. Um, all our students are uh, are allocated a regent, um, and the regent's either a academic, a senior academic, or a clinician, um, and there's somebody there just to give you a bit of pastoral support, um, a bit of, a bit of um support about what it's like to be a doctor as well, what it's like to have a career in medicine. So you get that, you get assigned a regent when you start. What else? Our MedSoc Society also sign you up with um, a, a med- medicine family, if you will. So a mum and a dad to look after you when you come into first year. Um, so you've got a bit of a, a family there because, of course, they'll have been assigned um, mums and dads the year before as well. So um, there's always somebody looking out for you. And last year we introduced, um, just because of the pandemic, a 
we signed, some of our senior students sorry, are signing up to be mentors to first year students. So a bit like the S for S scheme, but purely um, medicine students. So I think sometimes with the S for S scheme, you might end up with like a science student or perhaps not a medical student. So we've, we've developed our, our little in-house one. So we know that our incoming medical students will be paired up with a, a senior medical student. So they'll be there just to... Um, to to look out for the new students coming in because we appreciate it's quite difficult sometimes to ask for help when you first start because you don't know who to ask yeah definitely and to just add on to what uh george georgie uh, mentioned about the pals mentor so so it's just a that's also quite similar in that no actually no it's actually something completely different uh it's <laughs> it's a scheme where like student current students uh once you progress to third year onwards you can sign up for this scheme to help facilitate some of the clinical sessions or anatomy tutorials for the uh, first and second year students. So that's a really nice, I remember when I was in first and second year, you know, seeing, you know, uh, someone in fourth or fifth year um, being in my class and kind of help answering some questions. You know, it felt really reassuring. I felt like they were a lot more approachable. I mean, our teachers are approachable by themselves, but it was just nice to have like someone close to our age and kind of level of uh, experience to kind of say, oh, I have no idea what I'm, I have no idea. Um, could you please teach me? Yeah. And that sounds really good. Yeah. I think it's nice to have, yeah. like you say, someone your age who's, who understands exactly with the process you're going through at that stage to say, it's okay. Like <laughs> Exactly. And one, one more thing I wanted to say was we also have uh, class reps in every year. We have, I think in my year, we have three or four and they're chosen, uh, so I think they they get nominated, and then there's some election, and they get chosen. And our our class reps are fantastic. Um, and I'm and I, as I understand, the ones in the year above and below are too. Their job is to, well, their role is to be the the spokesperson for us. So anytime anytime we have any worries concerns, um, we just drop them a message because they are our friends to begin with. They are our course mates and. So and they would kind of compile our list of queries and worries, and then they will have a meeting with, you know, the year rep or the the leads, and and kind of come back to us with a response of some sort. And so you know, especially during the pandemic, you know, everyone was feeling very isolated, and everyone was worried about you know what tomorrow may bring. Our year reps really outdone themselves alongside the 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 medical like staff team to ensure that, you know, whatever we were worried about, they were addressed. And so, yeah, absolutely. We did not feel, I don't think there was any a point of time during this difficult year that we felt that we were completely alone uh, in hours, you know, like during the year. Yeah. And I think it all comes back to what Georgie said at the, at the start. If you were to approach any member of staff, anyone will, will help you. And um, the key thing is you just need to ask for help and, and we'll go out of our way to make sure that you're helped. Yeah, definitely. So something else people ask about is um, like placement times. Um, so we always talk about Aberdeen specifically having the remote and rural aspect that you can do. Um, we talk about rural GPs and things like that. So it's kind of different element that you might get at Aberdeen that maybe other medical schools don't offer. Um, Shafay, I'm going to come back to you because I know you're on your rural placement at the moment. Um, can you explain what you're doing at the moment and how it works? Yes, I am currently on the remote and rural. It's, uh, it's a one-year program. Um, it's not an extra year out of medicine. It's part of your fourth year. So you get the option because 
okay, well, first of all, why is it called remote and rural? It's because um, as part of this program, you will get allocated to Inverness, uh, specifically Rigmore Hospital, which is the, you know, the teaching hospital there for the entire year. All students in fourth year would have to do um, a block, which is about six weeks in Inverness anyway. But if you're really keen, you can you you can sign up for this in third year, so you can spend the entire year there. And the reason why I applied for it was because, well, even before I even when I was applying to Aberdeen, I had already read about it on the website. You know, I really dug the idea of of spending a year out somewhere rural and getting more experience in these areas. I think it's I think it's very valuable exposure to a different type of medicine. So I was already sold right from the get go. But in third year, we, you know, I also read, I also came across one of the, one of um, one of the more senior medical students blog where she was blogging about her experience in Inverness, and it was so much detail. And so I knew exactly what I was signing up for, and now I also blog about it so that hopefully more students. <laughs> would know what they're signing up themselves for. Because I think um, traditionally not not many people signed up for it. Um, we have about, mm, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Sarah, we don't have, we have less than 20 places every year for this program. And in the last few years, um, I don't think there's all 20, all 20 places have been taken up because it is quite a big commitment to sign up for an entire year out of Aberdeen without knowing what to expect. But you know, now that I'm in my second block in Inverness, um, everyone who has kind of come here so far has absolutely loved it, and they are all hoping for more. They're all wanting more, and and so, well, uh, I I I don't I never like to be the kind of person to say, you know, I told you so, but. I... <laughs> <laughs> So what placements do people do if they don't do remote and rural? Is there other options or other than the, the block that everybody does? Is there a different kind of other placements that we offer? We have seven different rotations. So everyone does that. So uh, one of those rotations off the top of my head is long term conditions. Um, so you could be placed in any ward that deals with long term conditions for, for that. So. You will be based in Aberdeen Royal Infirmary, but you might also have to, to travel to Woodend Hospital, which is another nearby hospital. It's about a mile up a hill. Um, or you might have to go to our, our psychiatric hospital or mental health hospital. It's maybe 10 minutes downhill. It's not that far away. But depending on what block you're in, everyone does that block. Um, and if you're in Inverness and you're on that block, you do the same stuff that you would in Aberdeen, but you do it in Inverness. Does that make any sense at all? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
I think basically what I've got from Aberdeen is that there's lots of lots of practical placements and lots of working with patients and kind of practicing your skills as well as studying and learning about it. So that sounds really good. Year four is the year that you get to experience a bit of everything. Um, and one of those blocks in year four is a, um, a specialties, is it the specialties block? And you get to choose what you want to do. So you get to go back to an area and, and focus on something you're interested in. Um, and you also spend some time in a GP. I think we, we should mention that as well. You spent um, six weeks in a GP surgery. Yeah, and currently I'm on my GP placement in Brora, which is it's a, it's a bit it's, a, it's just a stone's throw away from Inverness, and so it is considered uh, a rural. So for a GP, you choose between urban or rural, and I chose rural because I'm on R and R. And even though I don't have a car, the medical school was kind enough to still allocate me to to this place, um, which, you know, it's hard to explain, but essentially I, 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 I got the preference that I wanted because I was on this program. Um, and, you know, I, I'm in my second week now and I can see why this is, you know, everyone who has done their GP placement in somewhere rural has, has enjoyed it and learned a lot from it is because they have more, they have more time for you and you actually have a lot more you actually have a lot of work to do um, because often these practices are the only GP practice for the entire village or possibly even two villages. So in Brora, we have a thousand over people and so all of them will be registered with the one practice. So, so far I've had, you know, I've, I've, I've sat through telephone con consultations from morning until evening. It's, it's quite intense. It's, it's not the idyllic um, coastal life that I, I envisaged when I first started <laughs> when I first came here. So you get a lot, you get lots to do and lots to learn. Lots of bloods, um, a blood taking. Keeps you busy. Yeah. <laughs> Can I just add, um, so in that's year four that we've been speaking about, but in year five, there's the option to do the, the year um, rurally as well, but you go a little bit further afield. So you might be in Inverness, but you also get the option to go to um, Shetland, to Orkney, to the Western Isles, to Fort William. So a little bit further afield um, in year five. Yeah, I've definitely done medicine interviews with ambassadors that have been like somewhere really remote up in the islands somewhere and they're, they're doing their placement there. So that sounds really exciting as well. It's nice to see different parts of Scotland, I think, while you're studying. Um, Something else, um, Gervais, you talked about was research opportunities. I mean, Aberdeen famous for inventing the MRI scanner. <laughs> um, and lots of students will say, like, what, what research can I get involved in? Have you had any experience of that? Yeah, so in first year, I we were told that we could sign up for the Aberdeen Summer Research Scholarship Program, which sounds very fancy and very daunting, but it's essentially <laughs> a scheme set up by the medical school to encourage, you know, very junior medical students like I once was, to um, get involved in research. So if you, so you apply for it, it's as simple as putting your name for it, saying you're interested. You don't have to have any prior experience um, whatsoever. It's, it's targeted for complete beginners. And then you go for an interview and if you get it, you, you get a stipend to do, a, to do an eight week summer project um, and you'll be supervised. So it can be you know a dry project. So things like a systematic review, um, or a topical review, or it could be a wet project, which basically means you're going to be in the lab, looking under a microscope, working with some dyes and all those. Um, and so I did a wet project in my first year. And at the end of this entire thing, all, all of us would, would present our 
research in a symposium in November. So this program takes up takes place in around summertime. I mean, as the name suggests, and so then you have you get a few months to kind of write it all up and present it. And it you know a lot of it is kind of the the springboard that kickstarts so many students' academic career, if you wish, if you will. And as you progress th- through the years, there are ample of opportunities. Lots of other scholarship schemes. This is this the ASRS, which you know, short for the the one at Aberdeen Summer Research Scholarship, is the most accessible one in my opinion. But then, then as you get more experience, you can always try your hand at other ones as well. And you know, even if you don't get this scholarship, there's no stopping you from from approaching you know and you know your even your lecturer after his lecture saying, "Hey, I'm you know I'm really really interested in what you know what you're doing, and is it possible for me to." do a project supervised by yourself, anything like an audit or um, yeah, any quality control project. So it can be as informal as that. And it's kind of, but, and yeah, so, and so far everyone I know who wanted a project got it. I presume as well, this is from a complete non-medicine person's opinion, but I presume it helps when you finish university as well and you're applying to be a doctor. Every little thing you've done that is a bit extra and that you've, put that personal initiative into to kind of make happen will help you stand out from other people applying for positions when you've graduated. Absolutely, especially if you are interested in applying for the academic foundation program, um, which is, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a just a, a little bit different from the regular foundation year program, which is the two-year program that all medical graduates will have to do to then progress. And so, yeah, if you're, more, if you're considering an academic career, you know, getting involved in research early on in medical school, it's all, it always helps. It's not a necessity, but it always helps. Yeah, it gets you, gets you a couple of extra points in your application if you've got some publications, but um, I would never be encouraging anyone to stress about that, um, certainly at the beginning of your, of your career. Often some of our group projects, so the student-selected components that we um, do, they, they end up getting published. So there's lots of, lots of opportunities throughout medical school to to get involved in research. Brilliant. Well, I think we've covered absolutely loads during this podcast. So hopefully we've still got some people listening all the way to the end and they found that really interesting. Um, so the last thing I'm going to ask you both from your own opinions is what is the best thing about studying medicine at Aberdeen? I mean, Jafay, you can be completely biased. You chose to study here. Sarah and I work at Aberdeen, so it's slightly different. But <laughs> um, what do you think is the best thing, Jafay, about studying at Aberdeen? Why did you choose Aberdeen? I chose Aberdeen because of one person's testimony of how great it is. And I mean, I would agree. Yeah. That student, you know, I, I always, I often talk to that student. I say, you changed my life, you know, forever. I, I wouldn't name the student, for, but, but he, he, he was a really great student before he graduated. And, you know, and he said, yeah, it's your job to now kind of pass the, the, bat, the baton to the next person because, yeah. And I think, yeah. So the best thing about Aberdeen I think you know all the all the the the, curric, the degree is great and all, but I think at the end it's the it's the friends that I've picked up along the way. I think I've you know formed a really good sincere group of friends, and you know they keep me right. They're good people, and we're all you know. And I think it's not specific to Aberdeen, but I you know people here in Aberdeen are really down to earth, and you know they're not unapproachable. They you absolutely. You know, you meet them in Aberdeen's also a small city, so you meet people and they're just really approachable. Um, 
Definitely. I had a, my best friend from primary school who I didn't know had gone to Aberdeen until I started working at Aberdeen and she told me that's where she'd studied. She always said, oh, it felt like a really friendly community um, because everyone's like knows each other and everyone's on campus and it's really smiley. So that's my, that's why I would choose to study at Aberdeen. I think it's a really friendly campus. What about you, Sarah? What would you say? Well, I'm, I'm not even lying, but I was going to say the same. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that in terms of working as a, as a staff member in the medical school, um, I think we support our students very well. Um, and we tend to know most students by their first name. We're not that big a medical school, so we can build... Um, good relationships with their students um, and it's always nice to see everyone graduate at the end as well um, so no I, th- I think we do we, we we're a good we're a nice place to be we look after our students I, from from a staff perspective that that's my favorite thing definitely well thank you so much to both of you for giving all your opinions and your expert knowledge to our prospective medicine students um, I hope the listeners enjoyed that and that they've learned something from it I will put some of the links in the um, that we've spoken about, so the entry requirements and the work experience. We can put that in the show notes so that our listeners can find that easily. Um, and if we have any listeners from North America, we're doing our podcast next week specifically for you um, so that you can find out about coming to Aberdeen from North America. Um, and you can also catch up on any of the previous podcasts we've had. We've got lots that have um, superseded this one about different areas, including student life and accommodation and things like that. So if you are interested in Aberdeen, Uh, check out our podcasts wherever you're listening to this um, or on the university website as well so thank you Sarah and Jafé thank you for joining us for this episode of the Ask Aberdeen podcast if you would like to suggest a topic we should cover please email us at ukteam at abdn.ac.uk we would love to hear from you To be alerted about new episodes, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.